At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. Whether your pursuit involves a bachelor's, master's, or doctoral degree, GCU's learning environments are designed for supportive networking and collaboration. With over 330 academic programs, GCU provides a path to help you fulfill your dreams. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Hi, folks. Be sure to visit my website at dr-history.com for a short personal video message, to listen to the latest stories, and to leave a comment. I always look forward to Tuesdays, and he's had some outstanding stories the last couple of weeks that I've really, really enjoyed. Good morning, Dr. History. Good morning, Jeb. Good morning. Another nice day out there. It's cold. It's cold. There's a little bit of snow falling. Is there really? Just a little. Oh. Not here, but it was between here and home. You can tip that down a little bit if you want to. I'm sure that as well as this program is listened to across the world, literally, you've got some thank yous. You know, actually this week I don't. (laughs) (laughs) Almost every week, but I I think I'm caught up on everybody right now. Tip the mic up just a touch. I know we got to change it. There you go. Is that better? Okay. You know, every week you've had some really nice people contact you oh, and yeah. give you ideas or solidify some of your stories with more of the story, so yes. that's great. And actually, I did have a phone call this week uh, from one of our local listeners, and he said, uh, you don't call it Pierre, South Dakota. It's Pierre. Pierre. Yeah, Pierre. <laughs> you knew that. Yep, yeah. yep. So anyway, so... Yeah. But you know a lot of people, believe me, it's not in a mistake that's not made by just a few. It's made by many. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yep. So today we're going to go up into Montana, uh, a place called Virginia City. Have you ever been there, yes, Zeb? I have. Virginia and Nevada. Through it. Through it. Yeah. yeah. Now, not Montana, not... Uh, Nevada. Which one are you talking about? In Montana. Oh, no, I've not. I've been through the one in Nevada. Okay. Yeah, I'm so, sorry. So uh, just to clarify that, folks, this is up just out of Ennis, Montana, a few miles. There's an area called Alder Gulch, and there are two ghost towns called Virginia City and Nevada City. Now, you've been there. Oh, yeah, I've been there several times. You, I think a couple of years ago you said yeah. you went there. So, folks, I would really encourage you. You can take a stagecoach ride. They have... Uh, and a whole area of old buildings that you can go through, including a two-story outhouse. And that's all I'm going to say about that. No, whoa, no, whoa. we're not going to go I there. have a question. <laughs> I have a question. I knew you How would. does one operate carefully a two-story outhouse? I didn't go in. I, I didn't go in. <laughs> anyway, folks, you can pan for gold. They have a train that runs between the two towns, Nevada City and Virginia City. They have a hotel you can stay in, ice cream. Well, a two-story outhouse two behind. Story out, yeah. <laughs> so, folks, if you're up that direction towards Island Park area, head over. It's it's great. So, we're going to go to 1865. Now, uh, in 1863 is when Virginia City in this area really became a boom gold town. They had, uh, in the fall of 1863, between 7,000 and 10,000 people living in that whole up area. There? Yeah. Uh, because of the gold strike. And there was millions of dollars that came out of that. But we're going to move ahead a couple of years to 1865. And by then, the Montanans, they were proud of their status with a full-fledged territory of their own and a relatively peaceful population. Uh, Arrests were now made by 
proper law officers, uh, but they were being watched over by the vigilantes. The vigilantes had uh, taken care of some bad guys uh, uh, in previous years. So anyway, uh, the year opened in Virginia City with uh, the territory's metropolis with a historic prize fight. They were going to have a prize fight. Two guys, gloves were not required. Both men wore them. Um, ordinary snug buckskin gloves with no padding. Just regular gloves. Gloves. Uh, the fight went 185 rounds, lasted three hours and five minutes, and was declared a tie. You said 185 yeah. rounds? Yeah, and I don't know how long the rounds were. Too long. Yeah. So, But that's not what we're going to talk about. So um, there were two churches. There was a strong Masonic law, uh, Masonic lodge. Uh, the Montana are a lot of those buildings still there. Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's a great place to go visit, Zeb. It really, really is. You can spend a, a good day there easily all wow. day long. Wow. Now they had a daily mail and a stake service that operated when possible between Virginia City and Salt Lake uh, by way of Bannock. There was a guy named Smith who came to town and opened a photograph gallery. Uh, and uh, for $5, a man could have his tintype made, you know, a photo, a tintype. And I'm not exactly sure how they do that, but they could have it framed in a little black case lined with red velvet to send home to the family. And they would actually go and spend some time in Thomas White's hairdressing parlor, a place somewhat fancier than just a regular barber. I have a question real quick. You said they went from that area, Virginia City, down to Salt Lake. Right. How they, did they get there? What what route did they um, take? You know, I've got it written down in my book that I'm writing, but they had to go down through, uh, oh gosh, all the way down through uh, past Island Park, uh, past oh. Fort Hall, oh. down through that direction, uh, through the Portneuf I see. I I, see. So, but anyway, um, but you know, with all this that was going on, there were two enemies that man had at that time: winter and starvation. Oh boy! Because they were in a kind of a desolate—well, not desolate, but a a away from civilization, so to speak. Even though there were that many people. Yeah. But uh, that was what they called the hungry winter. That was the year they had flower riots with the have-nots that took from the haves and friend turned against friend, starvation. So as early as the previous September, the Post, the newspaper, I'm going to quote some things out of that newspaper as we go along. They had warned that there was a food shortage that might be coming because there were more supplies being used than were coming in. And it was a warning, but... uh, what could you do to be saved? You know, some people may have bought and hoarded a little bit to try to save up. So in December 3rd, the issue of the of the newspaper uh, reported that wagon transportation had entirely stopped. Snow came early and lay deep. Now no more supplies would be coming up from Salt Lake City. Uh, Salt Lake flour was actually cheaper than the flour that came from the plains from St. Louis. Uh, about $25 for 100 pounds. 25 bucks for 100 yeah, pounds. Yeah, or, or 
25, 26, 27. That was about normal. Well, you know, you think about it back in 18, what, 65? Yeah. Uh, the route to get goods and services, <clears throat> probably there weren't any from the north no. or the west. No. And you had to rely on east St. Louis or, like you said, Salt Lake yeah, City. Salt Lake. Yeah. So, anyway, the next week's newspaper reported wow. that a storm had left a foot of snow, followed by a hard wind and 18 below temperature. Ooh. Five Teamsters hired by a guy named Hardster to drive freight wagons from Salt Lake to Virginia City were stopped by snow on the wrong side of the Rockies. Hardster uh, fired his Teamsters and didn't give them any food, and they had to walk and try to get as far as they could. One of them froze to death. He just fired them out in the middle of nowhere. He so, was not up for employer of no, the year. No. So now let's go a little further. December 24th, uh, the majority of the freight wagons were holed up on the Snake River for the winter and were not expected before the end of February. Oh, my. So this expectation turned out to be actually over-optimistic because the middle of March, some mail came in by Overland Stage. 20 days it took from Salt Lake. Uh, oh, my. But on March 18th, uh, the newspaper said there was a bread riot that had occurred at Doreen's store. Some Irishmen with no money seized flour there and then demanded canned oysters. Oh, yeah, that was a necessity, wasn't it? (laughs) Okay, now let's move ahead. April 1st. April Fool's Day. We're we're getting there. (laughs) Okay. The April 1st issue of the paper reported real increases in the price of flour. It was up over $8, uh, 8 to $10, $11 more than what it had been. So now we're up, you know, into the 30s, 35 bucks. So, but... The next day, there was a riot in Nevada City. Now, Nevada and Virginia City are about a mile apart. Up all. there in Montana. Uh, right. How did, I'm going to stop you here for a second because I'm curious. How did they get their names, the same names, as what took place in Nevada? I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know how they came about with those names. I'll be darned. So, anyway, the flour now had gone up to more than $40 a sack. Oh. A gang of self-appointed regulators bought flour by force from merchants who had it at the old price of $25, uh, and they paid for it in gold dust. Uh, there was an angry meeting that was held in Virginia City. A committee went to call on the merchants, pleading that the people were destitute. And uh, they actually tried to take flour by force from one of the stores. They, they were getting desperate, and the stores had some. Okay, Well, so picture this. Zeb. Inside this store, barricaded behind sacks of flour, were 23 armed men. Okay, to protect the flower. Outside was Sheriff Neil Howey, one of the bravest men who ever lived, with 20 hastily deputized policemen. And they would have been mowed down by rifle fire if the sheriff had not been persuasive as well as courageous. He talked the mob out of its intentions to seize that. There would have been bloodshed all over the place. So... Anyway, flour was becoming more and more scarce, and everybody knew, and uh, they asked the people to economize, well, which everyone was doing already because there wasn't much flour, so they were being careful. Well, the merchants had run the price of flour up to $100 a sack. A dollar, $100. A dollar a pound, and they boasted, they said, hey, you know, we've got it, and we can sell this if we want to for 100 bucks. Well... 
some of the outstanding citizens took part in what they called a flower riot. Wow. They were selling they were selling flour at five dollars a pound. That's five hundred dollars for a hundred pound sack, Zeb. I can't even imagine. Five hundred dollars for a hundred pound sack. So anyway, a mab mob a mab a, a mob, mob a mad mob of very angry miners hungry for the staple of life, bread. They worried for the women and the children of the camps and so they gathered for kind of a mass meeting. There was a guy named Blake who was the chairman and he kind of whipped the meeting into order long enough to bring sense out of the chaos. And he must have been a pretty powerful guy because the angry miners were not real easy to calm down. I can imagine. Yeah. And they could have swarmed the town and taken the the remaining flour. There would have been fighting, you know, dead men laying all over the place. But there was no fight. And here's the plan. He said, uh, here's how the invasion took place. Uh, The tension, of course, had been mounting with the uh, price of flour. On April 16th, it was $65 a pound or for 100. And the next day was $90. And uh, the people who could could pay that much we're paying that much where did they get the money for all this i mean how did how did one buy that food to eat with gold with gold they really had the gold yeah it was there's millions of dollars that came so basically the rich and elite ate and the other one starved yeah oh my so that's when the bread riot began there were 480 men who marched from Nevada to Virginia City, only about a mile, and their leader rode a horse and carried a symbolic banner and empty flour sack. They were divided into six companies, each with its captain. They were very silent. Most of them did not even answer when some of the rich people jeered and kind of cursed at them. They searched the town, stores, stores, warehouses, restaurants, boarding houses, and even some haystacks, and collected 82 sacks of flour. They handed out promissory notes printed up in, in advance at the newspaper, promising to pay for the flour at a price that was normal, the $27. Oh they weren't my. going to pay the 100 Holy cow. Now, there were uh, three men that uh, were aiming to get while the getting was good. Uh, they went into a store on a place called Contents Corner and began to pick out clothing. Okay, not flour, but clothes. So a messenger ran for the sheriff who strode in with his pistol in his hand and announced that the first man who stole from the store or a saloon would be shot or hanged. Stealing was different from taking flour that would be paid for. So I guess there were some opportunists thought they could just get stuff for nothing. So now we are Colonel Sanders. The chicken man? No. Colonel Sanders and others, they addressed the crowd, advising them to be orderly in their search for flour. An armed group marched to the Sanders' home after a rumor spread that a wagon load of flour had been delivered there. And the mild Mrs. Mrs. Sanders invited them in to come in and search, and there wasn't any. Now... The riot could not have been a surprise to the sheriff. He resigned himself to just try to keep order. He was quoted years later as having made this statement, quote, Gentlemen, this uprising is to get flour and pay a reasonable price for it. It is not to sack the town. The same men that fought for law and order a few months ago are prepared to fight for it now. Now, these men were the vigilantes, and there's a lot of stories about the vigilantes up in uh, before real law and order took place up there. Yeah. There were some hangings. So, 
picture this, that there was the vigilantes, and uh, which side they were on during the flower riots, riots, there were three groups, okay, on all three sides. Uh, there was, uh, uh, let me see here, there was the people who had the flower, mm-hmm. all right, the marchers, and the armed volunteers who were trying to keep the peace. Really? So you had these three groups out there. The vigilantes had been uh, of one mind about hanging people, but this was a different kind of a conflict. Uh, you know, and one vigilante, a guy named Charlie, uh, who was a brewer, boasted later that he sold four sacks to a baker at $70 a sack. But were the people that had sacks of flour, I want you to say this again, were they forced to give their flour up? They were trying to sell it for you know anywhere from seventy to a hundred bucks a, wow. a sack, and wow. the the people in town just wanted it, uh, you know, at a normal they price. They needed to eat. They, yeah, they needed to eat. So anyway, one lady actually hid her flour. She emptied a, a barrel of beans and uh, put flour in the bottom half, and then beans on top. So they still had some food. They but they didn't have the flour. I okay? see. I see. Uh, there was a freelance, uh, some freelance looting. A freighter named William Lambert was planning to leave for Salt Lake as soon as he could get through the mountains. And someone stole four of the eight sacks of flour he had stored for provisions to get him on the journey. Mm. Later, someone broke down the door of the storage shed and took the remaining four sacks. So he didn't. Uh, <laughs> he lost everything. Wow. You know, the people were hungry. But anyway. Uh, the, the searchers uh, took 82 sacks back to a place called the Leviathan Hall and let applicants line up. If a man could prove he had no flour, he could buy 18 pounds more if he had a family. As the supply ran low, the ration was cut to 10 pounds. Then it ran out entirely. So if you weren't at the first of the line, you just didn't get any. What about canned goods? Uh, there was still of the food. There was some, you know, beans and and stuff like that around, uh, and beef, you know. But anyway, the flower committee paid back the former owners, so they didn't just steal it; they paid it when it was over. Um, so, you know, as they went along, there were no more riots by now uh, because flour began to come in. Uh, some single men actually shared their flower with those people who had families. Uh, others were just quiet, unsung heroes who voluntarily went without bread and lived for weeks on nothing but uh, beef and coffee. So, again, they weren't starving to death, but yeah. there wasn't much to eat. But the canned goods, uh, I'm surprised that didn't run out. Well, I think it did, yeah. So they were down to to just eat whatever beef they could uh, I see. Uh, get in there. But yeah. anyway, and this is about the time that uh, President Lincoln had been assassinated. Uh, you know, there was uh, some things going on uh, across the country. But there was some good news. Um, finally, 14 sacks of flour had come in from a wagon train uh, on the, from the far side of the Rockies. And uh, by now, the rice, the beans, the hominy was almost gone. So like I said, they, they weren't absolutely starving to death, really. Hmm. Now, locally, more flour started to come in. 64 sacks came in on a Monday, and the price dropped to still $65 a hundred. Wow. So this flour had actually been unloaded three times with terrible effort to lighten the wagons for the oxen. So they were coming in, Zeb, and they were in this floundering snow, and they had to take the flour off the wagons and haul it on their backs, on their shoulders, 
two or three hundred yards and then get the wagon moved up, reload the wagon, and get a little farther. Oh, my goodness. So, anyway, finally uh, the day came when 107 sacks came in. But... uh, you know, there was a lot of happiness and joy when, in the streets of Virginia City, when the first flower wagons rolled in. Yeah, and the first thaw, too. Yeah. yeah. And the women and children cried. Men hitched up and drove out along the road to escort the wagons. So I and, want you to elaborate on the point real quick. They actually, when they started up towards Virginia City, they had to load and unload, load and unload. Uh, like, uh, what distance in between did they like have to carry it? A couple hundred yards, maybe. Oh my you know, goodness! Maybe and through, keep doing that. Yeah, maybe through. Well, when they probably came to a ravine where the yeah. snow was deeper, Deep, yeah. they had to lighten the load so that uh, and then they could load up and maybe go. Who knows? Maybe a few more miles before they had to do it again. Holy cow! So anyway, so now there's plenty of flour for everybody. Uh, the price. Uh, Actually got down to fifteen dollars a sack by now, even cheaper than it had been before. But there were still some things that weren't going real good for Virginia City. Gold had been up to thirty six dollars an ounce, and now was worth about half that. Mm. But the goods uh, due to come up the Missouri uh, would have to be paid for for twice as much gold as they had expected. Uh, and there were some people that were being killed by Indians near Fort Benton. Um, Anyway, by spring, uh, after a long winter, there was finally bread again in Virginia City and Nevada City. Wow. But this was a huge area, uh, like I say, seven to 10,000 people. Well, that's about the size of Burley. Yeah. 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 And, and all those people, and you're talking like it got down to, what, 14 sacks of uh, flour? Yeah. Ooh, and, and, wow. And there may have been some that were, you know, uh, hoarding some. and Yeah. Trying to not be found out about. You get into those remote places like you're talking about and think of the old days with a lack of transportation. Wow. It could be tough. So, folks, I really encourage you. It's a beautiful drive. If you go up to Island Park, you just turn west just past Henry's Lake. Okay. There's a road that takes you over, and you'll come to a T. You'll turn left and go over to Annis, Montana, and then you'll turn left out of town, and it's I'm going to say 10, 12, 14 miles over really? to Nevada and Virginia. And you say they have concessions? Oh, yeah, and they have food, and... uh, ice cream places. Oh, my. And you hit that. I know of you did. Of course. Absolutely. Yeah, a small museum. Oh, my. So it, it's a neat place to go visit. I'm going to go up there. Yeah. Dr. History, you did it again. You just hit it right out of the park. Thank you very much.